Family Life Church, how are you? Are you glad to be here? You are. Some of you are. <laughs> and thank you for joining us online also, right? How many have friends? Uh, you're here now, but you have friends online maybe joining us, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe they're at, in the cafe out there. I, I went out there and uh, saw some people out there. Uh, maybe they're in a cafe here uh, in the in the region or the area, they're joining us. It's kind of where church is at right now, isn't it? Everybody just kind of does, does this, um, uh, whatever's easier for them, right? But there's nothing like being in his presence with your friends, right? Yeah, it's, yeah I, I love that. And by the way, I just want to say, you, your cafe, You, you know it's legit when the person that's running it has an apron on. Okay. <laughs> oh, so please get over there and get a drink of the day or whatever and, and sit down at a table and talk to somebody. Amen? Was there anything else you wanted me to say about that? Or I don't know if there's a... <laughs> Community, that's right, yes. Hey, if you would, would you go to Malachi chapter 4? Malachi chapter 4. Thank you, Pastor, for the invitation to be here. It is an honor. Um, I only got to know your pastor this morning just briefly, but uh, we have friends. We, I've heard of him, and I've known of his work as a district youth director, and so it's just great to be here. And, you know, one of the things I've been praying for you this morning when the Lord woke me up is that you would have a prophetic voice to this region, okay? Um, I know sometimes when, maybe when you hear that, you have to unlearn some things. <laughs> maybe you hear prophetic and you don't like that or whatever, right? You, you understand it is, a, it's, it is a major gift and office in the kingdom of God. I don't consider myself necessarily a prophet. Um, as a matter of fact, I don't know if I've ever even said this you know, in a Sunday morning, but this morning I, I recognize that this region that we are in is very progressive. And w when you have the gift of discernment, um, as I do, b being in this region has just heightened again the responsibility of the church in our communities. Amen? You, do you know what I'm saying? Um, there is a spiritual warfare going on in America. Hello? <laughs> there is a spiritual warfare going on in our nation. And uh, your, your friends at, at work don't have, they're not going to do anything about it, right? Your non-Christian friends at, at work or at school or in the organization where you, where, where you are, your neighbors that are not Christian and are not going to church this morning, they're not going to do anything about that spiritual warfare. The responsibility for this nation and righteousness in a nation is up to the church. Amen? Amen? Okay, I've heard you're not a quiet church. All right? So, listen, I just came out of youth convention, so you can't be loud enough. <laughs> and in some settings where I preach, they throw stuff at me. But that's a good thing. Okay, it's not like they're trying to get me out of the place. It's not like fruit, you know, they're throwing vegetables at me or whatever, but... Um, I was in a camp one time uh, this summer, and a young man uh, got so blessed 
at what I was saying, I guess, he threw a shoe up on the platform, like threw a shoe at me. Oh, yeah. And then you know what happens if one person does that, right, Pastor? Oh, yeah, there's shoes being launched, sandals, Crocs, the whole thing, man. They're all like all over the, I'm, I'm not kidding you, 40 or 50 of them just like all over the place. And the one that came up on the platform at first, um, it was a curry. It was the curries. It was the new set of curries. Some of you know what I'm talking about when I say that. Under Armour curries, right? Steph Curry, right? Okay. And so I picked it up, but it was size 10. If it were 12, I was keeping that thing. <laughs> right? So anyway, I don't know if you want to throw a shoe at me this morning. That, that may be a little awkward for Sunday morning, but uh, please, let's talk back to each other a little bit, all right? It won't make it any longer. It'll just make it more interesting. <laughs> Okay, uh, I don't know. Sometimes I sit on that amen a little bit. And you never know, but um, so it's great to be here. Thank you for being a church that God has placed in this region for a reason. Did you hear that? Thank you for being a church that God has placed here, a Pentecostal church, a full gospel church, a church filled with the spirit that is placed here for a reason in this region. That's what I was praying for you this morning. And this text in Malachi is a remarkable scripture. You've heard this before, okay? I'm gonna read this, this chapter of just, you know, six verses, and you're gonna say, oh, I've, I've heard that, I've heard that before. It's iconic. The words in this chapter are iconic. Now, Malachi is closing out the Old Testament. And these are some of the last words that we read chronologically. These are some of the last words um, that, that we see in, in the scriptures here in the Old Testament. How many know the last words are important? Right? The last words of someone are important. Maybe you have said goodbye to somebody and never spoken to them again, or maybe you've lost someone to death and you've never spoken to them again. Those last words are critical words. And these are the last words that the prophet speaks, and I think they're really important. I think they're important for several reasons. I think because in this moment in Israel's history, listen, in this moment in Israel's history, Israel is rebellious, idolatrous, disobedient and that's why God called the prophets because they had gone away from the word right if you look at the history of Israel they they were sent these 10 words the 10 commandments by Moses and this was what their life was supposed to be be uh, this was the pattern of their life their life was supposed to be run by the 10 commandments it, the Ten Commandments were the life and the godliness and the existence of a nation. This is how you are to live. And then they, they kind of go sideways and, and they move away from God's law, right? They move away from his word. And now God sends his spirit upon the prophets to bring the people back to the word, right? That's what they were called. The prophets didn't come to make life miserable, <laughs> the prophets came to bring these words to the people to say, get back to the original design, right? You, you get that? So all, all you note takers who are going to heaven, I see there's a few of you here, yeah, I see it, I see it. Uh, listen, 
I want you, to, I want you to, to write this, this phrase down. The next great awakening. I truly believe that we are being positioned now before this last great move of God. And I know people have said that through the generations. The people who lived through the first great awakening said that. This is the great awakening right before God comes. And then the second great awakening happened. Right? In, in the mid-1800s. And then the Azusa Street outpouring happened uh, in 1901, just south here in, in Los Angeles, right? It began in Hot Springs, Arkansas. It moved through the south and ended up in L.A. In 1901 to 1914. I, I get that. And, and then we had years, decades of not much movement, spiritual movement in America. And we had the Billy Graham Crusades that came and the Cane Ridge Revival in Kentucky and, you know, certain breakouts in re regions all over this nation. And then in 1967 until about 1978, just miles, just a few hours south of here, the Jesus movement broke out in Central California, didn't it? Time magazine called the Jesus movement the greatest spiritual moment in the history of America. Isn't that remarkable that on the cover of Time magazine, one of the greatest spiritual moment in the history of our nation happened just 50 so years ago. It began. You know, l listen, I believe God wants to do something again in this nation that is remarkable spiritually. I believe that God wants to do something in this nation that, we, that will be unforgettable, that we are, where we are marked. And, and hear me. It hasn't happened in decades. I know people say, well, the Brownsville, you know, move outpouring in Florida and the Toronto blessing in Canada and, right, there, there's these little pockets and these movements and, you know, in Bethel and the Reading movement. There's all of these, these movements. But listen, our nation hasn't been shaken in 50 plus years. We haven't seen a significant move of God in our lifetime. It's true. And what is, what is it going to take? What do we have to see? What will happen before it takes place again? The scriptures are filled with those patterns. If my people, do you remember that, that text? If my people who are called by my name will, what? Humble themselves, then what? pray and seek my face and then what turn from their wicked ways so there's four precursors to an awakening we want to just say listen gimme 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 my name is jimmy just give me the revival we don't want to pay for it right we're just like send it for free god you could just do it would you just wake america we and god says no 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 no, God says, I've sent you a prescription for that. Get your house ready. His judgment and his justice always begins in the house of God. Listen, we got to stop blaming government for what's going on in America. You, 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 listen, I, I know where I'm at, okay? I, I, know, I know where I'm at, but hear me. We got to stop blaming government for the condition of America. The Bible does not say, our Father, which art in Washington. 
<laughs> I, I don't think so, right? No, the Bible says, our Father which art in heaven, here in this place, th listen, it's not education's fault. What's going on in America is, is, is not critical race theory. It's not the trans discussion. It, it's not a progressive education. That's not the problem in America. It's part of it. Hear me, social media, the entertainment industry, corporate greed and materialism, that is not the problem in America. You know what the problem in America is? It is the church and the home. Because hear me, healthy homes raise healthy children who build healthy churches who transform society. But we want to blame everybody and everything else, don't we? Oh, that government, if we, I didn't vote for him. Oh, oh, oh it's, it's, the, it's the school. It's the, I'm going to homeschool now. And, and, and I'm not speaking against homeschool. They've been, in youth ministry, they've been my best and worst kids, okay? <laughs> Just like the public school kids, my best and worst kids. But we've got to stop blaming everyone and everything else and look in the mirror and say, God, what have we not done as a home and as a church? Because healthy homes build healthy children who build healthy churches who transform society. Thank you. I'm about to come on. Whoever said that, I heard that. You're encouraging me just by saying that. Look out. Can I get to the text? That's all free, okay? Let me just get to the text. Some of you are like, is this guy ever going to preach out of the Bible? <laughs> look at verse 1. For behold, the day is coming. Again, a prophetic look. The day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly, will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts. And he's looking at the end of times. Malachi is giving us this prophetic look at judgment, okay? And, and, and he goes on, he says, it will leave them neither root nor branch, okay? Then verse 2 turns the corner. So there's the judgment against the wicked, and there's this pending doom toward the wicked and the unrighteous. Look what happens in verse 2. But to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. And you will go out and, be, and you will grow fat like stall-fed calves. And you will trample the wicked. For they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day that I do this, declares the Lord. This is a remarkable look in verse 1 at the wicked and the unrighteous. And verse 2 at the righteous, the, the, the church. Israel, Zion, right? his people, us. And there's this balance between God's judgment and God's awakening, his revival, his blessing, can we say, right? They will go out, they will grow, they will trample, they will have victory. So you have this curse in verse 1, and you have this blessing in verse 2, right? Do you see it? And then he says that, he adds this to the, to, 
to, to the description of the righteous. On the day that I do this, I know you've probably seen it. Have you ever wondered, on the day that I do what? This is, this is great. Victory and right, blessing and growth. This is great. But when does it happen? When does this come? Well, he gives us the answer. It, it, um, it's a powerful look at the simplicity of the curse and the blessing and what happens, okay, as a precursor to this. Sometimes every, not everything in Scripture is really clear. And we are led to discernment. We are led to discipleship and spiritual formation. But in this setting, look at It's very clear. On the day that I do this, says the Lord, verse 4, remember the law of Moses. You know, I'm aware of the decline of spiritual passion in America. But the reason for the decline of that spiritual passion is because of a decline of a biblical worldview. Okay? Can I give you the statistics? The silent generation in this room, those of you that are older grandparents, I'm a grandparent, I, I have six boys, okay? Six grandboys. That is a freaking wrestling match right there. That, right, that's a party. The silent generation in, in, in this room, 66 and over, you had about a 65% biblical worldview, okay? 65% biblical worldview. That means that you looked at the world and the issues and the things that are going on in this world from a biblical perspective, okay? So let's put that into perspective. Then the silent generation had Gen X my generation. And Gen X, you know, we're, some of us are grandparents too, but we're the, the younger grandparents, the really young grandparents. Okay, the really, really young grandparents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we dropped from the 65% biblical worldview of our parents to 32%. Dropped in half in one generation. In one generation from 65% to 32%. Now, I'm not, just, I'm not just spitting out numbers to you, okay? These are not made up. You can Google the research from Pew, P-E-W Research Group, and Barna. You, if you just look at biblical worldview of the generations, this, this research will come up. Then Gen X, my generation, we had our first set of kids. They're called millennials. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe some of the people online are millennials. That's what they like, you know. Uh, forgive us for that first set of kids. The, what, I think they call, them, they call them snowflakes. They would be like 22 to 30. I'm, I'm, I'm playing with you. 22 to 36, right? The millennials came along, and they dropped from the 32% of their parents and the 65% of their grandparents down to 19%. And so in three generations, we've lost the biblical worldview from 65% to 19%. I mean, what happens? 
Really? Where, where do we lose this? How could a generation of grandparents lose their first set of kids, Gen X, and then lose their first set of grandkids from 65% to 19%? It's because we don't remember the scriptures. What is more alarming is what happened next. Gen X then, myself and other parents, sometimes, maybe even the older millennials had the younger, what is called now Gen Z, teenagers in the place. And teenagers dropped from the 19% of their brothers and sisters to 4%. A 4% biblical worldview in Gen Z today. I don't know if you can even get your mind around that. I didn't believe it when I heard it, like most of you in the room. You're like, yeah, come on, that's a setup for a sermon. Somebody, somebody created those stats, right? Just to make it look worse, and now we, got, now we feel bad for a little while, and it's a great illustration. I have a friend at the Barna Research Group. And I called him and I said, David, there's no way. There is no way. You cannot tell me that we've dropped that significantly and especially to 4% in teenagers today. And he's like, do you think we would have printed? I'm like, I know you wouldn't have, but I just needed to hear it, right? Listen, here's another stat that has come out. Teenagers today in the church Okay, this is not all Gen Z, like the 4%. Teenagers today in the church, only 33% of them, one-third, can name half of the Ten Commandments. I think that's generous, to be honest. I've asked, I've been in dozens of settings where I've asked teenagers, stand if you know half the Ten Commandments. It is rare, I'm telling you, it is rare that a third have stood. I think that's a generous stat. But let's just say that a third of our teenagers can name half of the, not all, but half of the Ten Commandments. What have we been doing? I love you. Okay. Uh, I, listen, I won't be here next week, so you can come back. Pastor will be here. Everything's going to be good. He won't be angry like I am, okay? I, I, I get that. But listen, whatever we've been doing in the church, whatever we've been doing in the family, we have to stop. We have to stop what we've been doing. And this is Malachi's warning. Get back to what Moses commanded. Get back to the scriptures. Get back to the word of God because we have slowly moved away from God's commands over the last 30 years, 40 years, and we've lost the biblical framework that runs the fabric of our decision making. We've lost it. We don't worship in our home. We don't read the scriptures in our home. We don't talk about God in our home. And we wonder why our nation is the way it is. And we wonder why my kids won't come to church. And we wonder why I struggle with this or, or that. We wonder why because we've lost the scriptures. 
can I, can I read something to you? This morning, when, right when I got up, God had put this word on my heart from Psalm chapter. I haven't read Psalm chapter 1 in years. And I woke up this morning and I couldn't get out of it. And I was reading this over. As I did, the Holy Spirit said to me, I want you to just read this to the people this morning. Here, li listen, listen to this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, or stands in the path of sinners, or sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the what? The law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. And God spoke to me again. And he said to me, we have based our lives the church has based their lives around culture and not scripture. A about meology and not theology. Well, listen, we have a crisis in this generation that we are serving a God we do not even know. Can I say that again? We have a crisis that we are serving a God we do not know. The last time some of you even read the scriptures was last Sunday when pastor was preaching. The last time you worshipped was last Sunday when Colin led us in worship. It's, this is not a part of our, listen, most of you would rather go to church than be the church. Something has to happen in the church in America today. Something deep has to happen in the church in America today. It begins with the word. Thy word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Right? Thy word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Do not let me wander from your commandments, O Lord. Do, let me, do not let me turn to the right or to the left. Let them guide me all the days of my life. Psalm 119. Just one read through Psalm chapter 1 will tell you the power of the word. Look at the next verse. L listen to this. Verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in season. His leaf will not wither. Listen. Whatever he does will prosper. The ungodly are not so, right? Those who live by culture are not so. They are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly. It's the same word that we just read in Malachi chapter 4. I believe the Holy Spirit was speaking. I, I've never used that text with this word. And as I began to open that up, God convicted me and said, listen, you tell the church, the reason they are going through what they're going through, curse or blessing, is because of my word. It's not anybody else's fault. It's not the government's fault. It's not education's fault. It's not social media or entertainment. It's not commerce. You are blessed or you are cursed because of this. The second thing I want to leave you today, first of all, is, is, is the power of his word. 
in that text, but I want you to read the last part of Malachi, and we're going to close. Are you with me this morning? Are you there? Are you angry? Are you upset with me? Okay. All right. Trust me, I can bring it harder, but I'm being nice this morning. Because you're adults. I, t I tell teenagers, I love teenagers. I like adults. All right? <laughs> you get it. Yeah, you get it. You get it. Sometimes you feel like that about your kids, don't you? <laughs> I love you. I love you. Love you. Love you. Okay. <laughs> look, at, look at verse 5. So he says in verse 4, remember the law of Moses. Remember my commandments with the statutes and the judgments. And then verse 5 comes, behold, and behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Before verse 1 and 2. You see it? Before verse 1 and 2, you need to you, you, return to the word. Then he gives us a second. The second precursor to this awakening. And he says this. When I send Elijah the prophet, he will turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the hearts of the children to their parents unless I come and strike the earth with a curse. Wow. I can remember growing up and my father, my father uh, did not get born again until we were into middle school. He had lived a rough life cussing sailor, drove, I was born in San Francisco, he drove bus on the transit in San Francisco. My dad lived a really rough life and paid for it. He passed at, at an early age of 61 because of his uh, liver and other issues from his drinking and partying. But when my, when my father got saved, when I was in middle school, we all knew it, <laughs> right? He never beat us, he never, he was not a bad father, but when he got saved, everything changed. I remember him sitting us down and saying, now listen, things are going to change here, right? And we're all going to church now, and we're all going to, we're going to, we're going to pray at home now. He, he, he had one of those, I don't know if you're familiar with teen challenge, but he had a teen challenge salvation. <laughs> it was like, it was like night and day, okay? It was like, you know, Get right or get left. I, my, my father just had this, had a moment with God, and it transformed our family. And I remember thinking, our family just went through, we used to be this way, but not, not anymore. Everything, it, it's like, our, it spun. It just went 180. And what, what that did in my life showed me that God was not just God at home, at church, that God was God at home. And that shaped the way that I raised my children. My children are older, 33 and 30 and 27 now. But it shaped the way that I raised them. I didn't want my kids to see God move at church and not move at home. I didn't want to tell my kids, I'm praying for you. I wanted to pray with my kids. Hello? It's a little play there, but so important. I didn't want to come to church and raise my hands and my kids to see me worshiping God at church, but not at home. 
I don't want to be a two-way. I don't want to go two-face, right? I, I don't want to be one person here and one person there. I wanted God, listen, I wanted God to heal my kids at home, not just at church. All three of my kids were healed in our home. We watched God move in our home. I didn't have to go to church to see God move. Hello? I didn't have to go to church or to a revival or go to camp to see God move. I've watched God move in my home. And this is all the prophet is saying. Malachi is saying that the prophets are sent to you to restore the hearts of parents over children. Notice how it begins there, doesn't it? Paul said the same thing. Fathers, parents, mothers, do not provoke your children, but bring them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Then he said, children, right? Children, obey your parents. And what he meant, what he meant by that was pattern after them. This is the word. In other words, parents, you are setting in your children patterns of spiritual formation. When they see you come here and be one person and you go home and be somebody else, you're, that's why we have a 4% biblical worldview. Because we are not modeling spiritual formation and discipleship in the home. And when, hear me, when the home doesn't build healthy kids, the church suffers. And when the church suffers, society suffers. Will you stand, please, this morning? Will you stand? I know this is a strong word. I've watched as God has moved on church after church across this nation with that prophetic word from Malachi. And I, I want to do, do something about that. Here's what I want to ask you to do in the next few minutes. We're, we're going to worship and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pray this song over this congregation, over this church. And we're going to pray this song over this region. In just a moment, hear me. I'm going to ask you, when, when we've sung this and we've, and we've prayed this over this moment, I'm going to ask you, we're going to get into groups all over this place, and we're going to, be, and we're going to have a prayer meeting. I, I know this is odd, and, and right now you're looking at your watch, and maybe you're online, and you're thinking, you know, it's, they're standing, so we're done, right? I, I, I know church. I, I'm a professional at this, too. I was raised in this. Normally when we do this, everyone gathers their stuff, they put their coat on, right, and they tell the kids we'll be eating shortly. Right? I, I know that. Well, we're not done. We're going to go about 10 more minutes. Can we do that? We're going to go about 10 more minutes. Isn't that, isn't that scary that you have to even say that in the church? Hey, hang on, people. We're almost done, but we're going to pray, okay? And so is that okay? Can I just, can you just give me a few more minutes? Is that sad? That is so sad. But, we, but what we've done, we've raised a church that is codependent on standing up. And as soon as they stand up, they're gone. No, I don't, I don't, I've been doing this in churches smaller than this. 
I've been, I did it in an online church. I did it in a popcorn church in a theater. I've done it in mega churches across this country. And I'm telling you what is about to happen is for, is for God to model, hear me, to model awakening for all of us, for our children, for the parents in the room, for the grandparents in the room. Come on, will you, will you throw your hands up right now? Come on, team, will you begin to lead us? Come on, right now. Will you throw your hands up right now and just say, God, awaken me. Come on, just, just pray that. God, move in my life, right? Come on, all across this place, just say, God, move in my life. Come on, team, will, will, will you bring us there? Move in my life, God. Move in my life, God. I invite you to awaken me right now. Whoa. Come on, this is a prayer. This is a prayer. I thought by now they'd fall. But you have never failed me yet. change to come knowing the battles won for you have never failed me yet your promise still stands great is your faithfulness your faithfulness Still in your hands, this is my confidence. You never failed me yet. I know the night won't last. Your word will come to. Yeah. 
this moment. Hear me. I, I truly believe that, that sometimes God moves more in a moment. Hear me. That God moves more in a moment, in a suddenly. I, I think there are moments in Scripture from Genesis to Revelation where God turned everything around in a moment. Will you believe right now that as we pray these next few moments, that God could do something so deep in your life that you'll never forget this morning? I know that sounds dramatic, doesn't it? But I truly believe this, that God can create moments, hear me, moments that are transformed into movements. Right? Not just a museum. I don't want to just remember what God has done in this moment, but it transforms what He does in our life. Listen, I want you right now for the next minute or two to pray for a personal awakening. Here's the only rule. you got to move. You can't stay in the chair where you're at. So if you want to come to the altars, you can do that. If you want to step into the aisle, if you want to just move, you move five feet. That's, that's the only thing I'm going to ask and request of you right now. Listen, churches all across this nation are finished in the east. They're finishing up in the Midwest and in the center, right? And then in the mountain region, they're, they're about where we're at. And right now, all across the West in the Pacific time zone, churches are finishing. Others will be meeting all day, right? Will you right now believe that God is moving across this nation as He's moving right here? So will you step out as an example, as a model right now and begin to pray for personal revival? Come on, move right now move right now. If you've never come to the altars of this church before, would you step out and come right now and put a knee down at this place? Step into the aisle right where you're at. Maybe in the back, you just want to turn, go to the corner. Come on. Young people, will you lead? Show, show them, show them, show your mom and dad, show grandma and grandpa how to do this. Come on, right now. One minute. Personal awakening. God, move in my life. Awaken me. God, I don't want to hear about it. I want to see it. Right? Come on. I don't want to hear about it, God. I want to see it. I want to see it. God, we know if you've moved in the past that you can move today. The Bible is not some history book. It's alive and living and active. And you can do the same things that you've done in that, in that word. And you can, you can do it here in our world. Come on, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? God, God is no, he, he is not watered down. He is not forgotten about this world. God, awaken me. Listen, the second thing I want you to pray for right now, I want you to take about two minutes, and I want you to pray for your family right now. Come on, will you lift your family before God? Grandma, Grandpa. Would you pray for your children and your grandchildren? Mom and dad, will you pray for your children and your grandchildren? Children in a room, teenagers and young adults in a room, will you begin to pray for you? Maybe you're here and your parents aren't here. Maybe they don't know God. Will you begin to pray right now? God, reveal yourself to, in our home. Reveal yourself in our home. Come on, maybe your son or your daughter is wayward. Call them back right now. Call them back in this moment. Call them back. You're online right now and you're listening. Maybe in, in that home right now, you could gather the home. Maybe, you're, maybe the children are right there too, right? And they're on their phone or something. Would you call them over and get in a circle right there in the front room? 
you're in a cafe, you're listening to this, maybe you're going to listen to this this week, would you stop what you're doing right now? Would you pray? God, God, stir the, stir the heart of the parents toward their kids and stir the heart of the kids toward their parents. We pray. We pray for a family awakening. Will you pray now? Would you turn your prayer to, to this third area? I want you to begin to pray for this, for this region. Begin by praying for your neighborhood. And then I want you to pray for your school. And I want you to pray for the place where you work. And Right? Maybe the county. Just, I want you to begin to pray right now. Pray for your neighbor. You call your neighbors out by name. Come on, the Johnson family, the Smith family, the Gutierrez family, the Rodriguez family. I don't know. You know. Pray for, will you pray for them right now? Pray for your neighbor. Listen, you pulled out, and maybe they were, maybe you saw them walking this morning. or Maybe when you drive back, they're going to be mowing the lawn or whatever, right? Ask God right now. I came in last night, and Jessica and I, we, we walked, we walked the neighborhood where we were. And I, and I prayed, God, would you bring them to church? Right behind the hotel that we just walked that, God, would you bring them to church? Holy Spirit, we're at, listen, we, one of the things my wife did that was so significant in our home, we had a food pantry. Y'all have a food pantry at home? Who, who has a food pantry where you just keep all the snacks, right? One of the most significant things that she did was uh, she would, she, when you opened that pantry on the inside was the map of our neighborhood. And it had all the, the names of our neighbors listed in their kids and where they worked and where they went to school and our and our we had a rule in our home if you were going to get a snack you had to pray for your neighbors how many know our neighbors are getting a lot of prayer <laughs> i think uh right hello but that shaped my kids i've heard my kids talk about that it's one of the most significant things that we did in our home listen one more minute you call your neighbors out by name right now. Come on. Just pray for them right now. Who knows that what they're going through? You don't know their story. Maybe they're going through difficulty, sickness, a divorce, trouble with the kids, right? Right now, pray. Financial problems. Maybe God will use you in this moment as you're praying for them. And you drive back. Listen, I know it's going to happen. I've heard the stories. You're going to drive back home after this, after this service. Pull up into your driveway and see your neighbor over there. And you're going to walk over to your neighbor and you're going to say, Hey, I just want you to know, I prayed for you this morning. Our family prayed for you this morning. Is there anything that we can help you with? Right? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Maybe the Holy Spirit has been working on their life. Maybe in that moment they say, You know what? Things are falling apart. Can I go to church with you next week? Right? Talk about hitting the easy button. Holy Spirit. Listen, can we pray for one more thing? I want us to pray for our nation right now. Can we pray for an awakening and a revival in our nation? Will you pray for churches across this nation right now? Come on. Will you pray for our president and his cabinet? Listen, I don't know about you, but that's my president. Whether I voted for him or not, that is my president. And I know people in the last presidency didn't say that. And in the presidency before that, they didn't say that. But I'm telling you, we got to stop that garbage. 
this is my president, whether I voted for him or not, because I live in, in this country and we do things the right way. And so I'm going to pray for my president. Amen. Love you. Hello. Love you. And if you don't like that, fine. But we're going to pray for our president right now in his cabinet. We're going to pray for our nation right now, for governors. We're going to pray for superintendents over school systems right now. Come on, right now, will you begin to pray? Because God can only, hear me, God can only move by, by our prayers. If God answered your prayers, what would happen? Nothing? Something small? Come on, pray right now. One minute. One minute, and we're going we're gonna to lift this song up over this region again. Because I know that God can do it again. Hear us, God. Awaken this nation. Hear us, God. Awaken this nation, we pray. Move on our leaders. Come on, stir your prayer. Move on our leaders, God. We need an awakening in the church. Move on the church down the road. Come on, feel that in your spirit. Faith rise, right? Come on, let your faith rise. That I've seen you move, God. And I, can, I will see it again. We will see it again. Come on, will you, will you pray this prayer? Come on. I'll see you
sing one more time. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. It's all you, church. You sing your promise. It's all you. Jesus. We just had church today. That's good. That's good. I believe in divine appointments, and we had one. God knew we needed Jeff in this ministry today, and this, this reminder, this wake-up call, or like the great theologian John Cougar Mellicamp used to say, it hurts so good. We need some hurt so good. Man, I think God has, I know God has started something, ignited something. I needed that. Thank you for the ministry today. Thank you for the ministry today. God, I brought you here. Thank you so much. We pray blessing on you and Jessica and your life and your story. And thank you for speaking the truth to us today. The students got an incredible thing this weekend. And <laughs> we got it too. And uh, so that is awesome. I just want to say thank you for being here. Thank you for responding. It doesn't end here. It just begins here. Those of you that are online, this is as good as, as it gets, and, and thank you so much. It's not an accident that you're tuning into this today. God's got a message for you. We've got a prayer wall over here, and there's some tables, and there'll be people over here that love Jesus and love to pray with you. We're going to leave this open. I'm going to let the team just kind of play. If you want to pray, if you want to connect with God, man, do that. Keep that open. But uh, we're going to see what God does and what he wants to continue to do. Let him speak to your heart today. Hey, until I see you again, I pray that God would bless you and keep you. I pray that God would turn his face towards you and shine his countenance on your life and give you peace. And sometimes he just shakes you up and says, here's the truth. God, thank you for speaking to us today in Jesus' name. God bless you today. Family Life Church, how are you? Are you glad to be here? You are. Some of you are. <laughs> And thank you for joining us online also, right? How many have friends? Uh, you're here now, but you have friends online maybe joining us, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe they're at, in the cafe out there. I, I went out there and uh, saw some people out there. Uh, maybe they're in a cafe here uh, in, the, in the region or the area. They're joining us. It's kind of where church is at right now, isn't it? Everybody just kind of does, does this um, uh, whatever's easier for them, right? But there's nothing like being in his presence with your friends, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, I, I love that. And by the way, I just want to say, you, your cafe, you, you know it's legit when the person that's running it has an apron on. Okay. <laughs> Oh, so please get over there and get a drink of the day or whatever and, and sit down at a table and talk to somebody. Amen? Was there anything else you wanted me to say about that? Or 
I don't know if there's a <laughs> community. That's right. Yes. Hey, if you would, would you go to Malachi chapter four? Malachi chapter four. Thank you, Pastor, for the invitation to be here. It is an honor. Um, I only got to know your pastor this morning, just briefly. But uh, we have friends. We I've heard of him and I've known of his work as a district youth director, and so it's just great to be here. And you know, one of the things I've been praying for you this morning when the Lord woke me up is that you would have a prophetic voice to this region, okay? Um, I know sometimes when, maybe when you hear that, you have to unlearn some things. <laughs> maybe you hear prophetic and you don't like that or whatever, right? You, you understand it is, a, it's, it is a major gift and office in the kingdom of God. I don't consider myself necessarily a prophet. Um, as a matter of fact, I don't know if I've ever even said this, you know, in a Sunday morning. But this morning, I, I recognize that this region that we are in is very progressive. And w when you have the gift of discernment, um, as I do, b being in this region has just heightened again the responsibility of the church in our communities, amen? You, do you know what I'm saying? Um, there is a spiritual warfare going on in America, hello? <laughs> there is a spiritual warfare going on in our nation. And uh, your, your friends at, at work don't have, they're not gonna do anything about it, right? Your non-Christian friends at, at work or at school or in the organization where you, where, where you are, your neighbors that are not Christian and are not going to church this morning, they're not gonna do anything about that spiritual warfare. The responsibility for this nation and righteousness in a nation is up to the church, amen? Amen, okay, I've heard you're not a quiet church. All right, so listen, I just came out of youth convention, so you can't be loud enough. <laughs> and in some settings where I preach, they throw stuff at me. But that's a good thing. Okay, it's not like they're trying to get me out of the place. It's not like fruit, you know, they're throwing vegetables at me or whatever. But um, I was in a camp one time uh, this summer, and a young man uh, got so blessed at what I was saying, I guess, he threw a shoe up on the platform, like threw a shoe at me. Oh, yeah. And then you know what happens if one person does that, right, Pastor? Oh, yeah, there's shoes being launched, sandals, Crocs, the whole thing, man. They're all like all over the, I'm, I'm not kidding you, 40 or 50 of them just like all over the place. And the one that came up on the platform at first, um, it was a curry. It was the curries. It was the new set of curries. Some of you know what I'm talking about when I say that. Under Armour curries, right? Steph Curry, right? Okay. And so I picked it up, but it was size 10. If it were 12, I was keeping that thing. <laughs> right? So anyway, I don't know if you want to throw a shoe at me this morning. That, that may be a little awkward for Sunday morning, but uh, please, let's talk back to each other a little bit, all right? It won't make it any longer. It'll just make it more interesting. <laughs> Okay, uh, I don't know. Sometimes I sit on that amen a little bit. And you never know, but um, so it's great to be here. Thank you for being a church that God has placed in this region for a reason. Did you hear that? Thank you for being a church that God has placed here, a Pentecostal church, a full gospel church, a church filled with the spirit, 
that is placed here for a reason in this region. That's what I was praying for you this morning. And this text in Malachi is a remarkable scripture. You've heard this before. Okay, I'm going to read this, this chapter of just, you know, six verses. And you're going to say, oh, I've, I've heard that. I've heard that before. It's iconic. The words in this chapter are iconic. Now, Malachi is closing out the Old Testament. And these are some of the last words that we read chronologically. These are some of the last words um, th that we see in, in the scriptures here in the Old Testament. How many know the last words are important, right? The last words of someone are important. Maybe you have said goodbye to somebody and never spoken to them again. Or maybe you've lost someone to death and you've never spoken to them again. Those last words are critical words. And these are the last words that the prophet speaks. And I think they're really important. I think they're important for several reasons. I think because in this moment in Israel's history, listen, in this moment in Israel's history, Israel is rebellious, idolatrous, disobedient. And that's why God called the prophets. Because they had gone away from the word, right? If you look at the history of Israel, they, they were sent these 10 words, the 10 commandments by Moses, and this was what their life was supposed to be. be uh, this was the pattern of their life. Their life was supposed to be run by the Ten Commandments. It, the Ten Commandments were the life and the godliness and the existence of a nation. This is how you are to live. And then they, they kind of go sideways and, and they move away from God's law, right? They move away from his word. And now God sends his spirit upon the prophets to bring the people back to the word, right? That's what they were, the prophets didn't come to make life miserable. <laughs> the prophets came to bring these words to the people to say, get back to the original design, right? You, you get that? So all, all you note takers who are going to heaven, I see there's a few of you here, yeah, I see it, I see it. Listen, I want you, I want you to, to write this, this phrase down. The next great awakening. I truly believe that we are being positioned now before this last great move of God. And I know people have said that through the generations. The people who lived through the first great awakening said that. This is the great awakening right before God comes. And then the second great awakening happened. Right? In, in the mid-1800s. And then the Azusa Street outpouring happened uh, in 1901, just south here in, in Los Angeles, right? It began in Hot Springs, Arkansas. It moved through the south and ended up in L.A. In 1901 to 1914. I, I get that. And, and then we had years, decades of not much movement, spiritual movement in America. And we had the Billy Graham Crusades that came and the Cane Ridge Revival in Kentucky and, you know, certain breakouts in re regions all over this nation. And then in 1967, until about 1978, just miles, just a few hours south of here, the Jesus Movement broke out in Central California, didn't it? Time Magazine called the Jesus Movement 
the greatest spiritual moment in the history of America. Isn't that remarkable? That on the cover of Time Magazine, one of the greatest spiritual moment in the history of our nation happened just 50 so years ago. It began. You know, l listen, I believe God wants to do something again in this nation that is remarkable spiritually. I believe that God wants to do something in this nation that, we, that will be unforgettable, that we are, where we are marked. And, and hear me, it hasn't happened in decades. I know people say, well, the Brownsville, you know, move outpouring in Florida and the Toronto blessing in Canada and, right, there, there's these little pockets and these movements and, you know, in Bethel and the Reading movement, there's all of these, these movements. But listen, our nation hasn't been shaken in 50 plus years. We haven't seen a significant move of God in our lifetime. It's true. And what is, what is it going to take? What do we have to see? What will happen before it takes place again? The scriptures are filled with those patterns. If my people, do you remember that, that text? If my people who are called by my name will, what? Humble themselves, then what? Pray and seek my face, and then what? turn from their wicked ways. So there's four precursors to an awakening. We want to just say, listen, gimme, gimme, gimme. My name is Jimmy. Just give me the revival. We don't want to pay for it, right? We're just like, send it for free. God, you could just do it. Would you just wake America? We, and God says, no, 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 no. God says, I've sent you a prescription for that. Get your house ready. His judgment and his justice always begins in the house of God. Listen, we got to stop blaming government for what's going on in America. You, you, listen, I, I know where I'm at, okay? I, I, know, I know where I'm at, but hear me. We got to stop blaming government for the condition of America. The Bible does not say, our father, which are in Washington, I don't think so, right? No, the Bible says, our Father which art in heaven. Here, in this place, th listen, it's not education's fault. What's going on in America is, is, is not critical race theory. It's not the trans discussion. It, it's not a progressive education. That's not the problem in America. It's part of it. Hear me, social media the entertainment industry, corporate greed and materialism, that is not the problem in America. You know what the problem in America is? It is the church and the home. Because hear me, healthy homes raise healthy children who build healthy churches who transform society. But we want to blame everybody and everything else, don't we? Oh, that government, if we, I didn't vote for him. Oh, oh, oh it's, it's, the, it's the school. It's that I'm going to homeschool now. And, and, and I'm not speaking against homeschool. 
They've been, in youth ministry, they've been my best and worst kids, okay? <laughs> Just like the public school kids, my best and worst kids. But we've got to stop blaming everyone and everything else and look in the mirror and say, God, what have we not done as a home and as a church? Because healthy homes build healthy children who build healthy churches who transform society. Thank you. I'm about to come on. Whoever said that, I heard that. You're encouraging me just by saying that. Look out. Can I get to the text? That's all free, okay? Let me just get to the text. Some of you are like, is this guy ever going to preach out of the Bible? <laughs> look at verse 1. For behold, the day is coming. Again, a prophetic look. The day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly, will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts. And he's looking at the end of times. Malachi is giving us this prophetic look at judgment, okay? And, and, and he goes on, he says, it will leave them neither root nor branch, okay? Then verse 2 turns the corner. So there's the judgment against the wicked, and there's this pending doom toward the wicked and the unrighteous. Look what happens in verse 2. But to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. And you will go out and, be, and you will grow fat like stall-fed calves and you will trample the wicked. For they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day that I do this, declares the Lord. This is a remarkable look in verse 1 at the wicked and the unrighteous. And verse 2 at the righteous, the, the, the church. Israel, Zion, right? his people, us. And there's this balance between God's judgment and God's awakening, his revival, his blessing, can we say, right? They will go out, they will grow, they will trample, they will have victory. So you have this curse in verse 1, and you have this blessing in verse 2, right? Do you see it? And then he says that, he adds this to the, to, to, to the description of the righteous. On the day that I do this. I know you've probably seen it. Have you ever wondered, on the day that I do what? This is, this is great. Victory and right, blessing and growth. This is great. But when does it happen? When does this come? Well, he gives us the answer. It, it, um, it's a powerful look at the simplicity of the curse and the blessing and what happens, okay, as a precursor to this. Sometimes every, not everything in Scripture is really clear. And we are led to discernment. We are led to discipleship and spiritual formation. But in this setting, look at, it's very clear. On the day that I do this, says the Lord, verse 4. Remember the law of Moses. You know, I'm aware of the decline of spiritual passion in America. But the reason for the decline of that spiritual passion is because of a decline 
of a biblical worldview. Okay? Can I give you the statistics? The silent generation in this room, those of you that are older grandparents, I'm a grandparent, I, I have six boys, okay? Six grandboys. That is a freaking wrestling match right there. That, right, that's a party. The silent generation in, in, in this room, 66 and over, you had about a 65% biblical worldview, okay? 65% biblical worldview. That means that you looked at the world and the issues and the things that are going on in this world from a biblical perspective, okay? So let's put that into perspective. Then the silent generation had Gen X, my generation. And Gen X, you know, we're, some of us are grandparents too, but we're the, the younger grandparents, the really young grandparents. Okay, the really, really young grandparents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we dropped from the 65% biblical worldview of our parents to 32%. Dropped in half in one generation. In one generation. From 65% to 32%. Now, I'm not, just, I'm not just spitting out numbers to you, okay? These are not made up. You can Google the research from Pew, P-E-W Research Group, and Barna. You, if you just look at biblical worldview of the generations, this, this research will come up. Then Gen X, my generation, we had our first set of kids. They're called millennials. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe some of the people online are millennials. That's what they like, you know. <laughs> uh, forgive us for that first set of kids. The, with, I think they call them, they call them snowflakes. <laughs> they would be like 22 to 30. I'm, I'm, I'm playing with you. 22 to 36, right? The millennials came along and they dropped from the 32% of their parents and the 65% of their grandparents down to 19%. And so in three generations, we've lost the biblical worldview from 65% to 19%. I mean, I mean what happens? Really? Where, where do we lose this? How could a generation of grandparents lose their first set of kids, Gen X, and then lose their first set of grandkids from 65% to 19%? It's because we don't remember the scriptures. What is more alarming is what happened next. Gen X then, myself and other parents, sometimes, maybe even the older millennials had the younger, what is called now Gen Z, teenagers in the place. And teenagers dropped from the 19% of their brothers and sisters to 4%. A 4% biblical worldview in Gen Z today. I don't know if you can even get your mind around that. I didn't believe it when I heard it, like most of you in the room. You're like, yeah, come on. That's a setup for a sermon. 
Somebody, somebody created those stats, right? Just to make it look worse. And now we, got, now we feel bad for a little while. And it's a great illustration. I have a friend at the Barna Research Group. And I called him and I said, David, there's no way. There is no way. You cannot tell me that we've dropped that significantly. And especially to 4% in teenagers today. And he's like, do you think we would have printed? I'm like, I know you wouldn't have, but I just needed to hear it, right? Listen, here's another stat that has come out. Teenagers today in the church, okay? This is not all Gen Z, like the 4%. Teenagers today in the church, only 33% of them, one-third, can name half of the Ten Commandments. I think that's generous, to be honest. I've asked, I've been in dozens of settings where I've asked teenagers, stand if you know half the Ten Commandments. It is rare, I'm telling you, it is rare that a third have stood. I think that's a generous stat. But let's just say that a third of our teenagers can name half of the, not all, but half of the Ten Commandments. What have we been doing I love you, okay? Uh, I, listen, I won't be here next week, so you can come back. Pastor will be here. Everything's going to be good. He won't be angry like I am, okay? I, I, I get that. But listen, whatever we've been doing in the church, whatever we've been doing in the family, we have to stop. We have to stop what we've been doing. And this is Malachi's warning. Get back to what Moses commanded. Get back to the scriptures. Get back to the word of God because we have slowly moved away from God's commands over the last 30 years, 40 years, and we've lost the biblical framework that runs the fabric of our decision making. We've lost it. We don't worship in our home. We don't read the scriptures in our home. We don't talk about God in our home. And we wonder why our nation is the way it is. And we wonder why my kids won't come to church. And we wonder why I struggle with this or, or that. We wonder why because we've lost the scriptures. Can I, can I read something to you? This morning, when, right when I got up, God had put this word on my heart from Psalm chapter. I haven't read Psalm chapter 1 in years. And I woke up this morning, and I couldn't get out of it. And I was reading this over. And as I did, the Holy Spirit said to me, I want you to just read this to the people this morning. Here, li listen, listen to this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, or stands in the path of sinners, or sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the what? The law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. And God spoke to me again. And he said to me, we have based our lives the church has based their lives around culture and not scripture. About meology and not theology. Well, listen, we have a crisis in this generation that we are serving a God we do not even know. Can I say that again? 
We have a crisis that we are serving a God we do not know. The last time some of you even read the scriptures was last Sunday when pastor was preaching. The last time you worshipped was last Sunday when Colin led us in worship. It's, this is not a part of our, listen, most of you would rather go to church than be the church. Something has to happen in the church in America today. Something deep has to happen in the church in America today. It begins with the word. Thy word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Right? Thy word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Do not let me wander from your commandments, O Lord. Don't let me, do not let me turn to the right or to the left. Let them guide me all the days of my life. Psalm 119. Just one read through Psalm chapter 1 will tell you the power of the word. Look at the next verse. L listen to this. Verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in season. His leaf will not wither. Listen. Whatever he does will prosper. The ungodly are not so, right? Those who live by culture are not so. They are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly. It's the same word that we just read in Malachi chapter 4. I believe the Holy Spirit was speaking. I, I've never used that text with this word. And as I began to open that up, God convicted me and said, listen, you tell the church, the reason they are going through what they're going through, curse or blessing, is because of my word. It's not anybody else's fault. It's not the government's fault. It's not education's fault. It's not social media or entertainment. It's not commerce. You are blessed or you are cursed because of this. The second thing I want to leave you today, first of all, is, is, is the power of his word in that text. But I want you to read the last part of Malachi, and we're going to close. Are you with me this morning? Are you there? Are you angry? Are you upset with me? Okay. All right. Trust me, I can bring it harder, but I'm being nice this morning. Because you're adults. I, t I tell teenagers, I love teenagers. I like adults. All right. <laughs> you get it. Yeah, you get it. You get it. <laughs> Sometimes you feel like that about your kids, don't you? <laughs> I love you. I love you. Love you. Love you. Okay. <laughs> look, at, look at verse 5. So he says in verse 4, remember the law of Moses. Remember my commandments with the statutes and the judgments. And then verse 5 comes, Behold, and behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Before verse 1 and 2. You see it? Before verse 1 and 2, you need to you, you, return to the word. Then he gives us a second. The second precursor to this awakening. And he says this. When I send Elijah the prophet, 
he will turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the hearts of the children to their parents unless I come and strike the earth with a curse. Wow. I can remember growing up, and my father, my father uh, did not get born again until we were into middle school. He had lived a rough life, cussing sailor, drove, I was born in San Francisco, he drove bus on the transit in San Francisco. My dad lived a really rough life and paid for it. He passed at, at an early age of 61 because of his uh, liver and other issues from his drinking and partying. But when my, when my father got saved, when I was in middle school, we all knew it. <laughs> <laughs> right? He never beat us. He never, he was not a bad father. But when he got saved, everything changed. I remember him sitting us down and saying, now listen, things are going to change here. Right? And we're all going to church now. And we're all going to, we're going to, we're going to pray at home now. He, he, he had one of those, I don't know if you're familiar with teen challenge, but he had a teen challenge salvation. <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was like night and day. Okay, it was like, you know, get right or get left. I, my, my father just had this had a moment with God, and it transformed our family. And I remember thinking, our family just went through. We used to be this way, but not not anymore. Everything it, it's like our it spun. It just went one eighty. And what what that did in my life showed me that God was not just God at home, at, at church, that God was God at home. And that shaped the way that I raised my children. My children are older, 33 and 30 and 27 now. But it shaped the way that I raised them. I didn't want my kids to see God move at church and not move at home. I didn't want to tell my kids, I'm praying for you. I wanted to pray with my kids. Hello? It's a little play there, but so important. I didn't want to come to church and raise my hands and my kids to see me worshiping God at church, but not at home. I didn't want to be a two-way. I don't want to go two-face, right? I don't want to be one person here and one person there. I wanted God, listen, I wanted God to heal my kids at home, not just at church. All three of my kids were healed in our home. We watched God move in our home. I didn't have to go to church to see God move. Hello? I didn't have to go to church or to a revival or go to camp to see God move. I've watched God move in my home. And this is all the prophet is saying. Malachi is saying that the prophets are sent to you to restore the hearts of parents over children. Notice how it begins there, doesn't it? Paul said the same thing. Fathers, parents, mothers, do not provoke your children but bring them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Then he said, children, right? Children, obey your parents. And what he meant, what he meant by that was, 
pattern after them. This is the word. In other words, parents, you are setting in your children patterns of spiritual formation. When they see you come here and be one person and you go home and be somebody else, you're, that's why we have a 4% biblical worldview. Because we are not modeling spiritual formation and discipleship in the home. And when, hear me, when the home doesn't build healthy kids, the church suffers. And when the church suffers, society suffers. Will you stand, please, this morning? Will you stand? I know this is a strong word. I've watched as God has moved on church after church across this nation with that prophetic word from Malachi. And I, I want to do, do something about that. Here's what I want to ask you to do in the next few minutes. We're, we're going to worship and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pray this song over this congregation, over this church. We're going to pray this song over this region. In just a moment, hear me. I'm going to ask you, when, when we've sung this and we've, and we've prayed this over this moment, I'm going to ask you, we're going to get into groups all over this place. And we're, going to be, and we're going to have a prayer meeting. I, I know this is odd. And, and right now you're looking at your watch and maybe you're online and you're thinking, you know, it's, they're standing, so we're done, right? I, I, I know church. I, I'm a professional at this too. I was raised in this. Normally when we do this, everyone gathers their stuff. They put their coat on, right? And they tell the kids we'll be eating shortly, right? I, I know that. Well, we're not done. We're going to go about 10 more minutes. Can we do that? We're going to go about 10 more minutes. Isn't that, isn't that scary that you have to even say that in the church? Hey, hang on, people. We're almost done, but we're going to pray, okay? And so is that okay? Can I just, can you just give me a few more minutes? Is that sad? That is so sad. But, we, but what we've done, we've raised a church that is codependent on standing up. And as soon as they stand up, they're gone. No, I don't, I don't. I've been doing this in churches smaller than this. I've been, I did it in an online church. I did it in a popcorn church in a theater. I've done it in mega churches across this country. And I'm telling you what is about to happen is for, is for God to model, hear me, to model awakening for all of us, for our children, for the parents in the room, for the grandparents in the room. Come on, will you, will you throw your hands up right now? Come on, team, will you begin to lead us? Come on, right now. Will you throw your hands up right now and just say, God, awaken me. Come on, just, just pray that. God, move in my life, right? Come on, all across this place, just say, God, move in my life. Come on, team, will, will, will you bring us there? Move in my life, God. Move in my life, God. I invite you to awaken me right now. Whoa. Come on, this is a prayer. This is a prayer. I thought by now they'd fall. 
as we pray these next few moments that God could do something so deep in your life that you'll never forget this morning I know that sounds dramatic doesn't it but I truly believe this that God can create moments hear me moments that are transformed into movements right not just a museum I don't want to just remember what God has done in this moment but it transforms what he does in our life Listen, I want you right now for the next minute or two to pray for a personal awakening. Here's the only rule. you got to move. You can't stay in the chair where you're at. So if you want to come to the altars, you can do that. If you want to step into the aisle, if you want to just move, you move five feet. That's, that's the only thing I'm going to ask and request of you right now. Listen, churches all across this nation are finished in the east. 
they're finishing up in the Midwest and in the center, right? And then in the mountain region, they're, they're about where we're at. And right now, all across the West and the Pacific time zone, churches are finishing. Others will be meeting all day, right? Will you right now believe that God is moving across this nation as he's moving right here? So will you step out as an example, as a model right now and begin to pray for personal revival? Come on, move right now move right now. If you've never come to the altars of this church before, would you step out and come right now and put a knee down at this place? Step into the aisle right where you're at. Maybe in the back, you just want to turn, go to the corner. Come on. Young people, will you lead? Show, show them, show them, show your mom and dad, show grandma and grandpa how to do this. Come on, right now. One minute. Personal awakening. God, move in my life. Awaken me. God, I don't want to hear about it. I want to see it. Right? Come on. I don't want to hear about it, God. I want to see it. I want to see it. God, we know if you've moved in the past that you can move today. The, the, the Bible is not some history book. It's alive and living and active. And you can do the same things that you've done in that, in that word. And you can, you can do it here in our world. Come on, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? God, God is no, he, he is not watered down. He is not forgotten about this world. God, awaken me. Listen, the second thing I want you to pray for right now, I want you to take about two minutes, and I want you to pray for your family right now. Come on, will you lift your family before God? Grandma, Grandpa. Would you pray for your children and your grandchildren? Mom and dad, will you pray for your children and your grandchildren? Children in a room, teenagers and young adults in a room, will you begin to pray for you? Maybe you're here and your parents aren't here. Maybe they don't know God. Will you begin to pray right now? God, reveal yourself to, in our home. Reveal yourself in our home. Come on, maybe your son or your daughter is wayward. Call them back right now. Call them back in this moment. Call them back. You're online right now and you're listening. Maybe in, in that home right now, you could gather the home. Maybe, you're, maybe the children are right there too, right? And they're on their phone or something. Would you call them over and get in a circle right there in the front room? You're in a cafe, you're listening to this. Maybe you're going to listen to this this week. Would you stop what you're doing right now? Would you pray? God, God, stir the, stir the heart of the parents toward their kids and stir the heart of the kids toward their parents. We pray. We pray for a family awakening. Will you pray now? Would you turn your prayer to, to this third area? I want you to begin to pray for this, for this region. Begin by praying for your neighborhood. And then I want you to pray for your school. And I want you to pray for the place where you work. And Right? Maybe the county. Just, I want you to begin to pray right now. Pray for your neighbor. You call your neighbors out by name. Come on, the Johnson family, the Smith family, the Gutierrez family, the Rodriguez family. I don't know. Will you know. Pray for, will you pray for them right now? Pray for your neighbor. Listen, you pulled out. And maybe they were... Maybe you saw them walking this morning. or Maybe when you drive back, they're going to be mowing the lawn or whatever, right? Ask God right now. I came in last night. 
And Jessica and I, we, we, walked, we walked the neighborhood where we were. And I, and I prayed, God, would you bring them to church? Right behind the hotel that we just walked that. God, would you bring them to church? Holy Spirit, we're at. Listen, we, one of the things my wife did that was so significant in our home. We had a food pantry. Y'all have a food pantry at home? Who, who has a food pantry where you just keep all the snacks, right? One of the most significant things that she did was uh, she would, she, when you opened that pantry on the inside was the map of our neighborhood. And it had all the, the names of our neighbors listed and their kids and where they worked and where they went to school. And, our, and our, we had a rule in our home. If you were going to get a snack, you had to pray for your neighbors. How many know our neighbors are getting a lot of prayer? <laughs> I think, uh, right, hello? But that shaped my kids. I've heard my kids talk about that. It's one of the most significant things that we did in our home. Listen, one more minute. You call your neighbors out by name right now. Come on. Just pray for them right now. Who knows that what they're going through? You don't know their story. Maybe they're going through difficulty, sickness, a divorce, trouble with the kids, right? Well, right now, pray. Financial problems. Maybe God will use you in this moment as you're praying for them. And you drive back. Listen, I know it's going to happen. I've heard the stories. You're going to drive back home after this, after this service. Pull up into your driveway and see your neighbor over there. And you're going to walk over to your neighbor and you're going to say, Hey, I just want you to know... I prayed for you this morning. Our family prayed for you this morning. Is there anything that we can help you with? Right? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Maybe the Holy Spirit has been working on their life. Maybe in that moment they say, you know what? Things are falling apart. Can I go to church with you next week? Right? I talk about hitting the easy button. Listen, can we pray for one more thing? I want us to pray for our nation right now. Can we pray for an awakening and a revival in our nation? Will you pray for churches across this nation right now? Come on. Will you pray for our president and his cabinet? Listen, I don't know about you, but that's my president. Whether I voted for him or not, that is my president. And I know people in the last presidency didn't say that, and in the presidency before that, they didn't say that. But I'm telling you, we got to stop that garbage. This is my president. Be, whether I voted for him or not, because I live in, in this country, and we do things the right way. And so I'm going to pray for my president. Amen? Love you. Hello. Love you. And if you don't like that, fine. But we're going to pray for our president right now in his cabinet. We're going to pray for our nation right now, for governors. We're going to pray for superintendents over school systems right now. Come on, right now, will you begin to pray? Because God can only, hear me, God can only move by, by our prayers. If God answered your prayers, what would happen? Nothing? Something small? Come on, pray right now. One minute, one minute, and we're going we're gonna to lift this song up over this region again. Because I know that God can do it again. Hear us, God. Awaken this nation. Hear us, God. Awaken this nation, we pray. Move on our leaders. Come on, stir your prayer. Move on our leaders, God. We need an awakening in the church. Move on the church down the road. Come on.
feel that in your spirit. Faith rise, right? Come on, let your faith rise. That I've seen you move, God. And I can I will see it again. We will see it again. Come on, will you will you pray this prayer? Come on. Jesus. We just had church today. That's good. That's good. I believe in divine appointments, and we had one. God knew we needed Jeff in this ministry today, and this, this reminder, this wake-up call, or like the great theologian John Cougar Mellicamp used to say, it hurts so good. We need some hurt 
so good. Man, I think God has, I know God has started something, ignited something. I needed that. Thank you for the ministry today. Thank you for the ministry today. God, I brought you here. Thank you so much. We pray blessing on you and Jessica and your life and your story. And thank you for speaking the truth to us today. The students got an incredible thing this weekend. and <laughs> We got it too. And uh, so that is awesome. I just want to say thank you for being here. Thank you for responding. It doesn't end here. It just begins here. Those of you that are online, this is as good as, as it gets. And, and thank you so much. It's not an accident that you're tuning into this today. God's got a message for you. We've got a prayer wall over here, and there's some tables, and there'll be people over here that love Jesus and love to pray with you. We're going to leave this open. I'm going to let the team just kind of play. If you want to pray, if you want to connect with God, man, do that. Keep that open. But uh, we're going to see what God does and what he wants to continue to do. Let him speak to your heart today. Hey, until I see you again, I pray that God would bless you and keep you. I pray that God would turn his face towards you and shine his countenance on your life and give you peace. And sometimes he just shakes you up and says, here's the truth. God, thank you for speaking to us today in Jesus' name. God bless you today.